Aye, so this movie's about space. Do you think there's <laughs> aliens out there? <laughs> that was the smoothest start. Uh, I, I don't think there's aliens. There's definitely, well, depends what you, you define as an alien. Like, what is an, what is an alien? But no, um, there's gonna be, there's got to be, there's got to be some sort of other living organelle that's capable of, yeah, I don't some, know, it's got to be something, right? Like walking, talking. Imagine they're like so similar to us, that would be freaky. That's the freakiest thing with aliens for me, is how similar to us are they actually? Uh, you know what I mean? Or how, like, how dissimilar, imagine they were just like... Well, that's what I'd like, because then it's just like a for all just pure random circumstantial processes of evolution. Like, but imagine they were basically like the same as humans, like just in a planet like like light years away. You know what I mean? That would just be terrifying. That's what always got me about Star Wars is like, how the fuck are there humans on these like pure random ass planets and this like uh, random galaxy? You know what I mean? Surely they'd all be like, I don't know, like seven legged creatures like rolling about <laughs> or something like that in balls. I don't know. Like, you know, just like, to me, like an alien book should be like completely different and not able to understand our, us or our culture at all. And so we'd inevitably fight them, you know? So that, that's why I think we should, that's why I think we should never know. Because we can't sort out our differences, so we just fight. That's, no, but that's what always happens, you know? It's like, like, species try and establish dominance over each other. We just so happen to have established dominance over every other species in the planet except except sharks and then that's that's all there is to it you know like we're top of the food chain we're top of the food chain until we enter under the sea or go up in the stars you know what i mean so that's why we just stay in dry land that's the, that's what man does you know so anyway interstellar this week <laughs> uh, Ah, you can tell from the title. Basically, this is first time films. Uh, we take a film that one of us hasn't seen uh, every week, and then where well, one of us watches it and discusses it. This week, you chose Interstellar Jack. I have never seen it before. This is my first time watching it. Um, it was released in 2014, way back when. Uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, co-written by Christopher Nolan, Nolan and Jonathan Nolan, his brother. Stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, uh, Michael Caine, John Lithgow whole cast of people Matt Damon shows up at one point uh, which was a shocker just like halfway through the movie uh, basically the earth went to shit because of global warming and because we won't do anything about it and Matthew McConaughey is our last hope and he has to go out and try and find an inhabitable planet is essentially the plot of the film um, and then there's a lot of timey-wimey stuff going on uh, that I don't quite understand. Uh, basically, it has a 71% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we put the Facebook poll out there. 55% of people gave it a thumbs up. 45% of people gave it a thumbs down. I was um, Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, why do you, like? Because it also comes. We put out a Twitter poll as well, um, and basically we asked who is for no one leading man of all time, and. Matthew McConaughey came third out of four in that. It was Christian Bale who got 60%, DiCaprio Aye. got 30, uh, McConaughey got 10, and then Guy Pierce got zero votes. Poor <laughs> Guy Pierce. Poor <laughs> Guy Pierce. Uh, <laughs> what a shame. Why do you think this movie is so divisive just to start us off? Like, you can tie this into like, your, your sort of initial <sighs> thoughts of it. But... And maybe, maybe it just comes down to interest. Like, if you're not interested in like science and science fiction and and things like that and maybe you just get bored with it and I can understand that like I'd never 
before watching Interstellar, I, like, I think Gravity was the movie that came out like the year before it or something. And I remember seeing Gravity and all the trailers for that and going, oh, that looks absolutely shit. I hate space movies. Like, apart from Star Wars, up until that point, I was thinking, mm-hmm. I hate space movies. I, I don't really like the idea of it. Like, yeah. losing loads of shots in space. And, like, yeah. It just seemed like a bit boring. Uh, but when, obviously, Interstellar came about, or when I came to watch it, I, like, I'd never realised it was Christopher Nolan until I got told to watch it, basically. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to be just like a space movie and it was all going to be based, it was all going to be, you know, revolving around how, how well shot it is and how they can, you know, replicate what space looks like and things like that, which is mm-hmm. all um, It's obviously something that I still think Interstellar does well, but there's just a lot more to it. Like, it's, I would agree. It's, it's real science theory um, and, and then creates this fictional story revolving it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that the whole idea of it isn't out with the, the realms of possibility. So I think that's something. Well, yeah. I would I'd agree with you on my expectations going in, where that it was all going to be about the, the sort of visual effects. And I was saying this to you. I think my fear with Christopher Nolan nowadays that is he's went on to this type of event cinema that revolves around the visual style and sort of leaves behind the story. And that was my fear going in. And it's sort of backed up by the awards that this was nominated for. Like yeah. it won the Oscar for Best Visual Visual Effects and it was nominated in a lot of the other sound and production categories, but not necessarily for its writing. Um and that's that's one thing I wanted to say about the movie. It didn't let down my expectations in that way. Like it is absolutely stunning like an absolutely beautiful film like it's the first time that he's collaborated with this uh, cinematographer um it's the same it's the same guy who did uh dunkirk with him i'm going to butcher his name it's hoyt van hoytema i believe <laughs> i believe that's how you pronounce it uh, so it's an, it's an absolutely stunning film and i don't actually know uh, the thing that when you're when you look at films in this way and you microanalyze it a lot of the time you know how the sausage is made like I have no fucking clue how they did this like no fucking idea in the slightest how any of this was pulled off even from like the space station the 360 like space station at the end that looked really cool like the design of the planets the all encapsulating nature of it the spaceship like how they got that feel like how they got the sound so right like it's it's a masterpiece visually, and that's that's the really the first thing to, like you point out with this movie, as you like were saying there. But what surprised me about it was it's also just a really good family drama, like at its heart, you know. And I, I, that's what I liked about I, it. Like, I think that's what what you said. Uh, something that people maybe don't don't realise uh, from the trailers and whatever else. Like, it's so long since it was released now that like it's not a film that you would go back and watch, like and, and and it's been proven by the polls that we put out. Not that you know it's not like we're polling thousands and thousands of people in across the world or anything. But yeah, and, you know to the listeners, it was so divisive, <laughs> uh, which is really interesting. Like I would have thought that it would have been up there because for the most part, all the films we've done have always been highly rated because you usually wouldn't vote on it unless you were voting like a yes. You yeah. know what I mean. If, if you see a film that you really like there, and you're more likely to vote on it than a film that you don't like, you might not just vote. <laughs> yeah, there was a lad, Kieran Doherty, uh, who I know, and he commented in one of the last polls, like, my addiction to voting in these is getting beyond the joke or something like that. What <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like, you do do that when you go online, though, you see a poll and you're just like, I, I actually don't know anything about this, I'm just going to vote on it so I can see what the results are. Exactly. 
Uh, but I think the story, the story was brilliant for me. I think, um, as I said earlier on, like they took what was actually real theory, so you know things that are already facts and already scientific facts. Um, but they kind of gave, gave like a really, a really interesting story, and as you said, like a family drama. It was like really emotional at times, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't yeah, often, like the- I don't often get bubbly. And I wasn't I'm not saying I was trying to cry my eyes out. Oh, did you heat up? Are you doing enough at this point? You do, you do genuinely like, I don't know, there's, there's a difference between like thinking, oh, that's sad, and then going, like, fuck, you're actually feeling it through the acting and things. Um, I thought, like, yeah, well, exactly. Um, there's really, really something in it, actually. Yeah, well, it's the tragedy of this story, like, major spoiler alert for what's going on. Not that you make any fucking sense of it anyway, because I can barely work it out, but um, I it's. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's as complicated as, like, Explain to me, explain to me how times this three-dimensional space that he can just go into different moments in this one wee room, like a bookshelf. Explain that, but that's because he he had built it. Like who built it? Someone in the future had built it because like it's infinite. It's like time like across space, time is relative. So what's happening somewhere else in space is different to what's happening, obviously, like where they are. In their universe or in their galaxy, sorry. Right. So basically, you managed to enter this black hole. So within the black hole, there's this. Um, there's obviously this like five-dimensional thing where they influence time using gravity because gravity is the only thing that can. Like that is, I don't know. Still Jesus fucking Christ. Right, I'm glad you've got a handle on this because I had no. It's it's hard to it's hard to understand like. It's I'm not that difficult to you know, but it's harder for me to explain just on the spot now. Oh, man, I was sitting there, like, I watched this, I think I finished it, like, half two in the morning or something. By the time it got to that point, with, like, the black hole when he's entering it and there's, like, the time and stuff, I was like, what the fuck, I have no it fucking have, clue. Like, that's the thing, actually, when you just asked there, like, who put it there, it would have had to have been him to put it there, though. Like, he must have, he would have had to have manufactured it at some point in a different oh, time. So that he can obviously like send them all the coordinates to NASA, send them all this, lead them on this path, so that he can then come again to this yeah. place and save the world, essentially. Or save right. some <laughs> of the world. I want, I want to move away from this element of the writing because it's, yeah. like, it's, it's, so, <laughs> it's so different from the prestige because the prestige is like a complicated plot, but like it makes complete sense when you go back and watch it a second time, like it relies on a twist. like. A lot of these concepts in Interstellar are just like so highly, like right. like just out there that you might never like fully comprehend it, no matter how many times you watch the movie. Yeah. You might you know not I mean? comprehend the science, yeah. But I think mm-hmm. this is the uh, maybe the third or fourth time I've watched it. But this is the, yeah. this this time round because I was obviously like reading it, eh, so reading it, uh, watching it like so thoroughly and, and taking notes and stuff. I was like. Noticing the wee things like that show you. Obviously, no one loves that. Like just hiding things in plain sight. So, as a score, yeah. the prestige. So all the way through it, you know, uh, even from the first few scenes that you meet, um, Marth when she's younger and stuff, she's got the notepad and she's, you know, doing all the Morse code and things in a in a notepad. Um, he is like he's showing you that, and you have absolutely yeah. no idea the meaning of it at that point in the film yeah. until obviously later on. Oh, definitely, and it's as a, as a, obviously like, because of the nature of the movie. He obviously can witness these things that have happened in the past, 
So it does, it does a, it's a good feature of the movie that he can obviously show you these things and like how strong the meaning was at the time and you didn't realise when you first watched it. Um, Aye, I, I get that and that's, that's obviously the beauty of a lot of his movies is you can go back and like you can watch them in a different context and stuff but what I think is what we went back to before the heart of this movie is uh, Cooper and Murph and the relationship between those two uh, father and daughter and it's the tragedy of it I think that's what's so sad about it like to go back to what we're talking about <laughs> is that idea of her like dying before him like dying of old age before he does because of like the time relativity thing like that in that moment that is absolutely heart heartbreaking for him to like be there and to watch her in that bed like that that always like struck me you know what i mean it's the whole idea of these two not being reconciled across her entire life because like she leaves when she's like really young and she's not speaking to him before he goes and never really forgives him until that moment like there's a whole part of her life that we just sort of skip by in the movie and that's what that's what's sort of tragic to me and beautiful at the same time is that relationship between those two characters how complicated it is because we never see the entire story with regards to with regards to murph because most of the movie we are following cooper and um, it's only later in the movie that we go back to jessica chastain as an adult uh murph and i like I liked the sort of I liked the father daughter dynamic there, and I liked how they used the science of time to create that sort of a tragedy in the story. Like, was that was that the part that you think resonated most for you about the plot, or was there anything else to do? with I uh, definitely Cooper? like with that particular relationship, and then how it, how it ends with obviously the because obviously. Um, Murph is under the impression at some point when Brandt dies, he tells her that basically Plan B. Like so, Plan A uh, was always like bullshit. Yeah, it was always bullshit. It was like just too much of a long shot, and Plan B was the real plan. Uh, was mm-hmm. real sort of um, go ahead mission. So she not only did she not forgive her father for leaving, she then like obviously filled with hatred when she learns that sort of news because she believes yeah. that he, he left just to like leave her and leave him behind and let them die. Um, so that would be hurtful for her, and you, you feel her hurt, you feel her anger. You think? <laughs> yeah, I know. And she'd be a bit upset. So I left me to die in the planet. <laughs> like, oh, I'll be back in like uh, 50 years, probably. Don't you worry, okay. And now you find out it's just horseshit. You're just like, oh, what now then? You know, that's, that's just like, oh, I'm absolutely fuming. Dealing. I'm sitting here suffocating. My brother's trying to kill his own Wayne because he refuses to leave the house. Like, it's like, <laughs> That that really got me. That was the one part of the movie that I couldn't buy into. Was uh, was Casey Affleck who was playing the, the the brother when he's older, and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand why he wasn't like leaving the house or going to NASA or like asking for the help in the first place. Like, I get his daughter's died and he's upset and stuff, but surely he'd want to prevent that again. Like, it just uh, never seen the compute. Yeah, I don't get that either. To be honest, yeah, like, stubbornness of it. He's just trying to be, yeah. Like Tim, I, I will say Timothy Chalamet to Casey Affleck is probably the best casting of the same character uh, in a great. movie. Uh, <laughs> it's seamless, like it's absolutely seamless. <laughs> the progression. I was like, I had to like look to see where Casey Affleck was coming into it because I seen him in the cast before I watched it, and then I was like, oh my fucking god, they do look the same. Like I thought Jessica Chastain as well was a decent Murphy as well, like a decent McKenzie yeah. boy, uh, to be honest. I, I, I'm glad you knew that wee girl's name because I had no clue. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. She's thinking of the country as well, isn't she? Oh my god, she is. I am completely forgetting about that. Do you know there's so many actors in this movie who we've covered before? And uh, I wasn't laughed at it. I was like, oh my god, they've been like we had uh, Michael Caine obviously back there for the prestige, Matt Damon. Uh can we talk about Matt Damon actually? I'm not gonna watch them on, but Matt Damon uh, showing up. Oh, uh, we should have. Uh, Matt Damon come like shows up ha- like halfway through this film and the sort of uh best surprise casting move since Kevin Spacey shows up in the middle of seven. You know what I mean? Like, it's like it's that similar effect because you're like, oh, who is this character? And then all of a sudden, the Martian is popping out this wee, yeah, this wee pod. Uh, you know, there's, like, there's like theories in that, like, obviously it's have been completely separately written and stuff, but there's theories that like the Martian is meant to be the same character and stuff. Someone's wrote a big Reddit file on it, I'm sure. It was... I don't think it's Jessica Chastain. It's either her or Bryce Dallas Howard who's in The Martian as well. Which sort of, because uh, those two look so similar, it kind of like blurs the lines even further. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, someone is, I'm pretty sure someone's wrote this big Reddit uh, page on it, like how, how it crosses over and like how it makes sense. But obviously it could make sense because if we're obviously talking about relative time, then like anything could be possible really. Yeah, <laughs> so they just and- they obviously say that it's in a and I did like how, for me, like Matt Damon's yeah, Matt Damon's character for me reveals like the true theme of the movie, and that is like my my theory about this movie is it's all about the relative and importance of the individual human life, yeah. to the grand scheme of things. However, yeah. also the the vital vital importance of interpersonal human connections and relationships. So there's a duality mm-hmm. there. There's a battle between it. It's like on one hand, yes, every life is insignificant and we do need to acknowledge that, that we're all part of a larger whole. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we all do need to acknowledge that every individual life like does matter in some way and sense. Like that is saying both things at the one time, but it's saying it in a very beautiful and complex way. Like not too dissimilar, I read a novel uh, to the lighthouse uh, by Vir- uh, Virginia Woolf that I thought is effectively saying the same thing that this movie is saying, except like completely different settings and uh, plot devices, but Matt Damon's character is working against that. It's his own feeling of self-importance that is also uh, almost the downfall of the movie. Like, uh, it's, 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 like he feels self-important, and he's saying he's doing it for the human race, but he's so despicable and can't really form a meaningful human relationship one-on-one with someone. So he like works against both sides of that sort of dichotomy at the same time. Do you get what I mean? And that's why I think he's like a really, really effective antagonist. And this movie when he does show up, you know what I mean? No, definitely. Yeah, because there's no other like clear villain, I suppose. Like Professor Brandt, when he's revealed, is like some. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what's a villain in this movie? When you actually know like the full story behind it, the score, Hans Zimmer's score. Like, see when you actually do you you heard the ticking noises? when they were on the different planets and the score. Oh, right. No, I, right. I didn't. I've heard about it though. Like, I never even realised this time round. Uh, I'd noticed it one time because I'd yeah. it before I watched it or something. Aye, it's meant to be like every tick is a day on Earth. Uh, uh, like So every time like the soundtrack does a wee tick, it's an hour day that it's on Earth. And when you knew that, I knew that before going in because I did like, some background reading into it just to see if like, should I just patch this or not? I'm not sure if I'm first. <laughs> what, three hours <laughs> in or so. Uh, <laughs> and then so I was like, oh my God, that's like, because when they actually get in the planet and the movie does a good job of like 
setting up how much Cooper wants to get back to see his kids. So that Aye. score and that whole idea is like just a really, really clever like uh, like tool. You know what I mean for the audience, and the, the score is beautiful. Like like most of Hans Zimmer's scores, it's like absolutely phenomenal. When you could like oh, go and hear it. I think that I think that's another reason what I was saying um, about the emotion behind it. Like something about music is obviously a lot more moving. But to watch the scenes like with the the combination of the acting and the music, mm-hmm. just like and obviously the the severity of like the 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 plot. Yeah, like it really is emotional. It's really moving, and like you can't escape it. You can't escape that feeling of just like, fuck, that would be like terrifying, and that would be like so sad and whatever. Yeah, um, and it does. Um, like I said, like I don't I actually went into this movie and expecting to hate it. Like when you brought the up, we're going to do it ourselves. I was like, I've been avoiding this for so fucking long because for one, and I will say this, like to the average cinema goer. Unless it's like an Avengers movie, three hours is far too long a runtime to sit through. I'm uh, sorry, I love I love movies, right? But even see if I see it on Netflix, like a movie is three hours long, like I will avoid it like the plague. Like I'm no one to sit all the way through that unless it's something like I'm really really interested in seeing. Like it just completely puts you off, like going into it because there's... Well, I d- I disagree because I do quite like epics and. Like mm-hmm. even some of my favourite movies are three hours long like Lord of the Rings and stuff. So Oh yeah, I don't you're, know. I, that, I enjoy that's the it. difference between us two though, because the, the, the three hour run the, the long uh, the runtime of Lord of the Rings is what puts me off like watching it all at the time. So I think right. that's why you're higher probably on that trilogy than I am is because like you prefer that sort of longer form of uh, film. Like uh, for, for me they get uh, like, they get to I like, like a run, I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I've tuned, I've tuned out at that point. I'll run. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Rivendell. Wait, Riven- where's River Run? What am I thinking River. of? Is that in like Game of Thrones or something? I don't know. You're the host River. of the... Ah, uh, that isn't Game of Thrones. Ah, uh, you're the host of this. That's sure you should. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, it was just, it just seemed too long for me a lot of the time. I was like, I'm, I don't know if I'm uh, ready to uh, get invested in this. But I wanted to ask, where does this robot rank among the greatest cinematic robots of all time? Because it's a very, it's a very cool robot. Like I, at first I seen it, I was like, "That's the most stupid looking thing I have ever seen in my entire fucking life." It looks like something that was built in the eighties. Like I thought this might be yeah. But then, like, it starts to do like a whole lot of practical shit in the planets, and immediately I was like, "Oh, I get it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like so cool, and I like how it can like be programmed for like humor and stuff like that. That was like really, really fun. I think um, that was quite interesting. I think like the fact that he had complete control over it and he was like set, uh, changing its settings and that, and it was it was quite dry humor as well. It wasn't it, like I don't know. It's not like R two D two just making noises and screaming and that. I don't know. I thought it was yeah. Don't slag R two. Fucking like he was right higher among R two. Ah man, what did he ever fucking do to you? That's disgraceful. It's disgusting, disgusting. Thinking that we've right. I can't believe you just said that. Uh, Warwick, De- who, uh, in fact, I was going to say it's Warwick Davis who did R2. That's a complete lie, and probably like <laughs> I don't know why he played uh, Wicket. That's what I'm thinking of uh, in the Star Wars movies. But I don't know. I find I find the robot really good. It's also raised good questions about the sentience of the robot, though, because you're saying that he had total control for the programming. I'm not like there was a bit at the end that made me doubt well, that because. He keeps he keeps saying like take it down to sixty five, but the, the the machine keeps making jokes as though he's trying to defy that. 
you know what I mean, and uh, take control uh, of his own. And the machine's the one who works out Matt Damon is evil before anyone else really does. Like, you see that close-up shot of the robot. I'm forgetting the robot's name. Like, that's probably <laughs> a really bad discrimination. And the robot's rise are going to come for me first. Uh, but he's the one who notices, like, you see the robot eyeing the, the dismantled machine in the corner. And he's uh, like, what, like, what happened there? You know? And it's like, this this thing's alive. This thing knows what it's doing. You know what I mean? And it's, like, it's quite a scary thought. Like, do, I don't know. Like, I around the iRobot a wee bit. Didn't like it. It also manages to survive the black hole, which is kind of crucial because otherwise uh, Cooper would never have like fully understood, like wouldn't have had the, the quantum data for yeah. black hole and wouldn't have been able to try, uh, wouldn't have been able to communicate. How did he survive the black hole? He fell into the black hole as well. So he was in the black hole when Cooper was in the black hole. Aye, but how did he, oh, surely he would have been crushed. I don't know. I think, more chance of a robot surviving than a human, to be honest. That, that's probably true. I, like Neil deGrasse Tyson said, we have no idea what's in a fucking black hole, so do we yeah. want? This, I think was his quote. It was like someone asked him about it in our cellar. He's like, yeah, we have no idea what's in it, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> exactly. It's, that's, <laughs> what that's why I'm saying like it's it's completely within the realms of possibility because like you, no one actually knows, so you just write something that's good. Like, yeah. like it's interesting. I think I, I like to think within a black hole there's just nothing, just pain and destruction and you die when you go in it. Yeah. <laughs> We're just putting all this importance in the black holes for absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> to rank this a wee bit. Christopher Nolan movies. We discussed a lot of Nolan with the prestige. Where does Interstellar rank among his entire film catalogue for you? Is it your favourite or does it uh, get trumped by some of the other ones? Nah, the Prestige is probably my favourite. I, I like the there's more simplicity to the Prestige, which I actually enjoy. As much as I love a Nolan twist, like the Prestige's twist is just the right amount. Whereas, like, there's maybe a wee bit too much thought required in Inception and Interstellar, and there's loads left up to like you know interpretation and stuff. Yeah, there's a, just a bit. I would agree with that. Like the runtime for me does get me a uh, bit, even though I enjoyed it. Um, like for for the vast majority of the movie, I was having a good time with it, but it did lose me at the times when it did go a bit too like deep science. Like all all I really needed to know was a that the Earth was in trouble, b that they needed a way to get out of it, c the black hole was important. But they tried to explain the minutia of things just a bit too much for me. You know what I mean? And you don't always need to do that. I get you're trying to impress, like, and make it this hyper realistic thing, but that's uh, that's kind of what would drop it down for me behind something like the. I'd drop it down before the prestige would be ahead of it. I think the Dark Knight trilogy. Definitely, the Dark Knight trilogy would be ahead of it. I think Inception's probably and on par with it for me. I was going to say, yeah, actually, yeah, it would actually be in par. I was going to say that. I have some interesting thoughts in Inception if we ever do do an episode on that because it's kind of similar to Interstellar for me. Like, there's a lot of things I'd really like about it and then there's a lot of things I'm sort of, uh, uh, like, by far Interstellar's ahead of Dunkirk for me. Uh, still, Aye. Dunkirk's a massive disappointment, but I'd probably rank Interstellar maybe fifth in, in my Christopher Nolan catalogue. But that's no saying it's a bad film because he's made some pretty good ones, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. Definitely. But where does it rank in Anne Hathaway's uh, cinema? Oh, <laughs> that's what I was about to come to, my, my real... Uh, oh, come on. Just, I, I thought he just 
can't believe you're a half a hater. That's such a shame. Oh, I can't stand her. Oh, she actually makes me angry. Like her, her face. Do you know the movie I loved, I loved her the most in? And you're going to laugh at this. It was Ocean's 8, where she was basically playing like her, what people think she is. Like, it's just like, and she had fun with it. Like, she basically played like this prima donna actress, like, spoiled brat who everyone like hates. And she, like, you could tell she was having the best time with the role in her life because she's like, this is what people think I fucking am anyway. So I'm just going to, like, uh, completely go for it. I don't mind her, like, I've never had the hate for Anne Hathaway that everyone else has, like, I, I, I've never mind her or anything. I get that she is really whiny and lame is, and she kind of ruins that part in the movie. Right, right, lame is is a different, it's like, a different story, but like, just in general though, do you not think she's just, like, annoying to look at? Like, I don't know, she just... <laughs> I think she does a good job, I've never... She delivers lines, the, like, the facial expression she pulls, like... I've never had a problem with her and I do think that she was an exceptional Catwoman in The Dark Knight uh, The Dark Knight Rises I enjoyed her work in The Princess Diaries movies, I don't know what else to say <laughs> but, like, she was, I, I really do enjoy her I, I've never got the hate with her to be honest, like, it's one of those ones that seem to come out of nowhere, like I get Taylor Swift but I don't get Anne Halfway. you know what I mean uh, for me they're on the same on the, <laughs> the, the same page See the line that she, it's when she delivers a line in Interstellar, um, when they first enter the wormhole, right? So the like basically she's reaching out right, when she's like kind of reaching out into the side of the ship as if like it's like a different space, or a different time. Yeah. She, so yeah, if whatever. So she basically goes, "Oh, it's them" or something, and then she turns to like uh, one of the other members on the on the ship. Mm-hmm is my first handshake or something but just the way she delivers a line I'm just <laughs> so annoying fair enough fair enough Wait, listen uh, you, I give Interstellar a score out of 10 and wrap it up with your final thought uh, yeah I'll go 8 an 8 I'll probably I, I, I feel like I've an 8 far too much you know what I'm going to go 7.5 here alright <laughs> purely because I wouldn't watch it again. Like every other movie I've given an eight to, I would probably like rewatch. I can't see myself watching Interstellar again, at least nah. not for a long, long time. Nah, it's just too much. I, I really enjoyed it. It's just too much of an investment for me to sit down and to like go through that journey again. I think even though for the vast majority of the time I had a, a decent time with the movie. Um, I've, yeah, I'll give it an eight. It deserves it. <laughs> it does deserve it. I'm too nice. I'm far, far too fucking nice for one good in this shit. <laughs> Listen, so we've we've kind of fucked things up with the tiny limey stuff this week. An inappropriate time to do it. So I, uh, I really don't know what's been said in part two or part three yet. All I know is that in <laughs> um, <laughs> part two, Jack, you'll be back with uh, Keir Bachelor and Rachel Campbell. God knows why that decision uh, was made. Uh, both of any judgments at all on the pitch. <laughs> like, listen, like, so they're going to pitch you the Simpsons movie too as part of the Buchanan Gauntlet, all right? Any judgments that Jack makes in this part are not binding. I want to make that clear. I judge. If, if indeed he does happen to accidentally make a judgment, they're not binding, and Nicky will score those pitches next week when we're back. I'm an opinionated guy, I had to just say something. <laughs> I just let it be. 
fair enough, mate, fair enough. And then I'm back in part three. Uh, we just had Valentine's Day, so we've got our first couple appearance on on the show. Ed Downey is back from the Prestige show along with uh, Becca Keenan. They're discussing a whole bunch of issues with me. The Ma trailer. Uh, we're talking about the rumour about Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine. Uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman. And we're also talking about what would make just the general person be interested in the Oscars again, which is it's a pretty funny discussion, spoiler alert. So we're going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to part one. Jack will be back in part two. See you later. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome back. This is uh, part two. You're now joined by me, Jack Higgins. So, uh, Sorry I was absent for part one. Um, also here joined by Kia and Rachel. You can say hello if you wish. Hi guys. That's your only chance. Oh. What was that? Alright. <laughs> <laughs> we say more than hi. Um, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm so, very nervous for that. You're very nervous? I'm not used to it yet. David's still trying to get me, ease me into this whole recording thing. Uh, it's... it's it's a fate. it's like a, a voice for the radio, you know, you need to have that. Yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to be on my best behaviour. On your best behaviour? Why is that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because I will belly back on again, apparently. <laughs> oh, he said that to me. I'm going to let me back on as well. Then he said, I'm lucky to be on in the... He's really got some a big sort of ego trip about this podcast thing now. It's kind of weird. Does, yeah. thinks he's gonna, he thinks you're going to ruin it. Don't worry, I'm the nice one with it. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> so uh, I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll be easy on you. Anyway, right, so before we get started on the, the pitch battle, um, we're just going to discuss a little bit more movie news. Um, so recently, there's a, apparently it's been released that there's a new Breaking Bad movie getting made, um, sort of focusing on the character Jesse. First of all, I haven't seen Breaking Bad, so it's difficult for me to discuss it, but I was kind of hoping one of you two uh, maybe have seen it or even have some sort of interest in it, maybe seen a few episodes and maybe turned it off, maybe have an opinion on it. Um, Rachel, yeah. you can maybe start us off if you've got any experience with Breaking Bad. Well, I know it's like a TV series and I just think once a TV series, leave it at that. Like, why why make it a movie? Why do that? Why ruin a good thing that's going? Yeah, you haven't seen it, no? No, I haven't. See, I thought it was like prison break and then I was swiftly shot down by that, so. I, I think it's... I don't know, I think it maybe took a bit of inspiration off Prison Break. It does have that same feel. I have, well, as I said, I haven't actually seen it. I've mm-hmm. got a few episodes here and there, but there was so much hype surrounding it um, at the time. Yeah. It was difficult to, yeah. uh, difficult to like, get on board with it. Like, I feel like people talked up too much and it actually put me off it a little bit, yeah. which some people, from experience, some people have the same effect with Game of Thrones. Um, I know a lot of people have said, like, you know, they can't be bored watching Game of Thrones now because everyone hypes it up and there's so many seasons. Um, well, just touching on what Rachel said there, Kier, do you think that we have to make movies like from a successful TV show? Like, if a successful TV show has made millions, um, it's been fairly long running, you know, really, really, uh, really good cat that people can, um, can identify, do you think we need to keep making movies or can we just leave it at that, like Rachel said? I think there's like, it's circumstantial because like Breaking Bad, I did watch it all and it was one of the few shows that not only did it live up to the hype, but the ending was perfect. You know, a lot of TV shows you get there and they're really disappointed. 
yeah, yeah. Breaking Bad had this just amazing, amazing finale and everything felt so concluded and well-rounded. I've seen movies based on TV shows when the TV show has been cancelled mm-hmm. and then they make a movie to finish it up. That makes sense to me. I don't really think there's any point in having a Breaking Bad film because the ending was so good as it is. Yeah. But if it's the same guy, if it's thingy, Vince uh, Gilligan, then I'll have faith that it'll probably still be pretty uh, good, you know. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think if some personally, I think if something has been successful as a TV show, then there's, you know, there's certainly a, a call for it to be made into a movie, and you know, can continue. What even if it's not this obviously continuing right from where they left off, but even just like being able to see the character in a different light, or like you know, maybe in the future or something like that, is always quite interesting for me personally. But Rachel, you're obviously against the idea. Um, do you think? Do you think they lose appeal? Do you think like movies lose the appeal from uh, from the TV show? Do you think it like spoils the franchise? What? Why? Why is it like you're kind of against it being made into a movie? I just think in general, like a mo- like movie and series are very different. Like with a series, it's a longer journey. You get to know the characters. It's a bigger build up. Whereas with a movie, you can kind of predict what's going to happen next. So that's the best thing about a TV series, you, you want to keep on watching. But as a movie, it'd be a bit harder if they're going to do that. Then sometimes yeah, they bring out like a sequel for the movie as well. Yeah, yeah, just, that's a whole new carton of worms. So do you, th- do you think it, um, it risks maybe spoiling the franchise then? Like, yeah, definitely. Fans and then they come and see the movie and they're disappointed and it spoils what could have been, you know, an untouchable yeah. series for them. Yeah. Yep, completely. Great. Um, anyway, so we're going to move on to the pitches, but just um, before that, I'll just kind of uh, remind some of the, the audience. I was about to say viewers there. This is my first time hosting, so that's um, my first slip up. But yeah. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so um, just remind the audience, the the, uh, the listeners, that um, we've got a pitch battle coming up. Obviously, this tonight will be um, a little bit of a filler. Um, in the build up to it but um, I don't know I'm looking forward to it it's you know this this podcast has went from just being like a little discussion board between a few friends and we're obviously trying to build it as much as we can but I think it's been quite exciting doing something like this with the pitch battle um, it brings a little bit of a different feel to it and it's just I don't know it's just fun for me so um, I hope it's fun for you too. anyway so we'll get into it um, basically we've got the pitch that I was given was pitch to me the Simpsons movie to and that's basically all I'm going to give you I'm going to give you complete free reign um, I don't want to fill I don't want to fill it out too much I'm just going to give you so the movie the title is Simpsons movie 2 I'm not going to give you any taglines or anything like that um, and I think I think we'll start with Kier I feel like I feel, you have, I feel like you have something up your sleeve, so we'll start with you, and uh, so off you go. David, David only messaged me about this uh, today, about five o'clock today. And I didn't have to, I was really busy, that, but then I thought of something. Because I, I used to love The Simpsons, but the old, old Simpsons. And do you, know, do you guys remember, like, in early Simpsons, it used to get really, really, really serious. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and there was, they dealt with serious like domestic issues. 
Okay. Oh, I want to bring it back to like I think Simpsons Two has to be a a kind of neo-realist, very emotional, hard-hitting drama, uh, like early Simpsons. Okay. So my my plans would be, I need to call it Simpsons Two, the winter of their discontent, and it <laughs> opens, and Homer, all the booze and and eating like shit and no exercise catches up with him. And he falls ill. It, Homer's developed cancer, uh, and it's getting really—he becomes kind of bedridden. And Marge, in her frustration that her her husband's failing health, ends up having an affair uh, with another man. <gasps> and oh gosh, during that, to that. Time, with their like absent <laughs> parents, Bart has begun to get like really, really into drugs. <laughs> Lisa, who is Lisa, is probably gay from the show anyway. And she's beginning to explore her sexuality, but as we know, Springfield's a very like, conservative town, and she feels a lot of societal pressure. <laughs> and uh, it, it goes on, and they kind of break into disarray. Homer succumbs to the cancer and dies of, of you know the terminal illness. Oh, Bart swiftly ODs, uh, you know, taking a crystal meth, <laughs> has a, a suicide pact with her lesbian lover, following the death of her father and brother. And all this traumatic event puts Marge into a psychiatric home after the breakdown with her, her younger lover. Uh, and then you're left, the final half an hour of the film, is Maggie being sort of passed around by the other members of Springfield, sort of tr- who can take her on, who can adopt this baby from this broken home. So she spends some time with like the Flanders and, and Dr. Hibbert and Chief Wiggum and Miss Carvapple and Barney and Moe. And they just like they just realise she just doesn't fit, you know, without this this strong family uh, background around her. And yeah, she just at ends, she just waddles onto a train or a bus to Shelbyville, this little toddler, onto you know a life of her own. And God knows what what's going to be in store in that big scary world outside of Springfield. That's and, deep. Uh, well, I think that's what I want from The Simpsons Two movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh... And Rachel, um, I'm sure you'll have something to retaliate with that, um, and then we'll have a little chance to debate after once you're finished with your pitch. So I'm just going to be completely honest, I'm not a fan of The Simpsons, so this this is quite the challenge. But this, I think, we should all be older, so we've got The Simpsons and we're at the church, the iconic church. Now Lisa's getting married to Millhouse. Anything right. you can think possible that can go wrong with a wedding is going wrong with this wedding. Right. Bart has three kids to three different women. <laughs> yep. So they're having this wedding that just isn't isn't quite happening, right? It's just all gone a bit wrong. <laughs> then you know how the Simpsons always predict what's gonna happen? Like it's just quite weird like that. Okay, yeah, they always have like a long Yeah, like Trump and all this. Yeah, yeah, okay. So obviously there's gonna be another world war at some point in time. So, Simpsons movie, they're going to have a world war. Now, Bart and Milhouse go off to war, so you're going to get like a side of both sides of the story. So like, they show you them at war, they show you like Lisa at home with like this broken marriage, depressed about how badly her wedding went, and they're all getting bombed and stuff like that. And then, at the end, Bart comes home and you just don't think Milhouse is going to come home. But then he does, 
and there's just a big nuclear war and they die and that's just the end of the Simpsons for you. Everyone dies. Everyone dies and that's just the end. Well, you lot are a cheery bunch, aren't you? you just, <laughs> uh, Kill the Simpsons off. What went yeah, to, they have to die. A, a great like comedy family show to <laughs> to like, <laughs> uh, like you've actually you've actually been in a bit of a mood. Um, uh, well, I'll let you I'll let you kind of debate like why you think. Uh, why you think you should win, basically, or why you think the other one should? You uh, have. I, I like Rachel's idea just as much as I like mine. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> personally, I think mine's is great. Think of the comedy you could have in that. It's quite a tough decision. You should both have similar, <laughs> similar themes of death and like desolation. Um, Imagine Bart in the trenches. I would have third world war be fought in trenches. <laughs> make, make a good valid point there, right? But let's just imagine we still have the trenches. I've made my decision. I'm going to go with Rachel's. Here we go. Yeah, that's well Like Only because I feel it had a more, even though it did end up everyone died and there was a big war on that, it did have more of a Simpsons feel at the start. With like the wedding and stuff. <laughs> Kira, I can't really see yours start <laughs> all sunshine and rainbows and then all of a sudden bars. I can't really see that happen. Um, yeah, I was going to watch my movie. Uh, and I think both of you are just, not only are you sick and twisted, but you totally don't have a <laughs> You wanted to just absolutely end it. That's <laughs> <laughs> Um, mm. Anyway, well, yeah, Rachel, I think we'll, in that case, proceed to the next round. Um, oh, so I get on again? Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, um, we'll just wrap it up there, actually, for part two. Um, last little bit I'll just say is, for the listeners, just to stay, stay tuned. And um, some good things coming up, obviously, the pitch battle, as I mentioned earlier. And we've also got First Time Thrones that will be starting at the end of March, uh, going into April time. In the wake of uh, First Time Thrones, uh, sorry, Game of Thrones, obviously, um, being back on the big screens, or the small screens, whatever size of screen you have in your house. <laughs> All right, so we'll wrap it up there and uh, stay tuned for part three. Alright, so we're back. This is part three of the show. To be honest, everything's recorded out order this week, so I don't know what's been said or part one or part two. So You're wrong, anyway. <laughs> everything's, everything's incorrect. <laughs> so far, uh, this is part three. I, well, I'm so happy to have this guy back. He was on one of my favourite shows like we've ever, ever done, which was the Last Kiss for No One Show. So he's back this week. Ed Downey, uh, how are you? I'm alright. Yeah. Um, my special guest, uh, Renfrew's Power Couple. Yeah. Renfrew's Brad and Angelina. Yeah. <laughs> Becca, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Fantastic. Well, this it works. This is Valentine's weekend. Uh, ah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the Valentine's weekend podcast so, about my, the most Valentine's film of the of the week. Exactly. So, <laughs> a, a modern rom com. True romance. Uh, Downey, Becca, Kieran joining me here today. I wanted to, uh, there was a couple of things I wanted to get into before we start now. 
right. in a couple of weeks you're going to be planned for this big show we're doing. I haven't actually had the chance to talk to you about it on the air yet, but you are going up against Mary Higgins as the one of the people we know for certain you're going up against. Right. And you'll also be facing off against the winner of this gauntlet. So earlier in the show we heard Keir, uh, Bachelor and my sister go head to head. So so far Sned holds the record with a seven point five. Like, are you confident going into it? Obviously, you won the last time you did something like that. Uh, with David, your, got, your Prince pitch. Got to be confident. Got to, I mean, I, the Prince one, I, I blew Higgins and Nicky right. <laughs> you did, you did, absolutely. David, I need two sex. I need to shout at my mom, two sex. No, it's all right. Mum, I'm going to put truffles in there. I said it in five minutes. It's all right. Right. <laughs> we, can, we can cut around that. We can cut around <laughs> we can that. Cut, we can cut that. <laughs> Me tell my to shut up. <laughs> so I don't look terrible. <laughs> I don't look like the worst son. <laughs> so you're confident then heading into it? I need to be confident, David. I they, I, I, hopefully people will take it. I mean, I don't think Jack had done as much research as I expect him to do for this, you know, the, the grand finale. Yeah. This last 16 brackets, so I expect a bit more, a bit of a tougher test, but I'm confident they need to be confident. That'll be fine, that'll be fine. Well, we're doing that, that'll be out uh, one of the, f- the first week in March, that show. Um, and also, uh, just to review today, we are doing our first time films top 10 favourite movies of all time. I wanted to put that together just so you could get an idea of what our regular panellists, what their tastes are. You know, Ed, you've had a wee sneak peek at the list. Uh, today, what's your overall opinion on it? Do you disagree with the way it's turned out? Is it is it as good as your list? Becca's Becca's ma- making faces. I don't think Becca agrees with it. I think my list. Per- well, obviously, I think my list was better, but there's a couple of ones in that that I thought. Yeah. Mm, thought. Yeah. Mm, have it, I thought. I think there should be a, a rule in the field that you can have the same film in twice. I think having uh, Star Wars, it strikes back, and the what's the, what's the first one called? Uh, Th- a new hope. Return. Yeah. A new hope. I, yeah. I think that's. I think, it's, well, we do have, I think it's a bit shaky to have two, maybe, two, maybe a couple of repeats in the top ten, well, but that's just me personally. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks, Becca. What's a movie that's not in the top ten that you definitely would have put in there? Um, I'm trying to remember the list like, off the top of my head. Uh-huh. You, Becca's, Becca's list would have been interesting. I think she would say Clueless here. But, <gasps> no, The Breakfast Club. Oh, our very first episode, harkening back to that. The early days mm-hmm. of the show. Um, <laughs> Breakfast Club going in there would have been a good one, but it didn't actually get a single vote. Like, that's the that's like we didn't get a single vote for the Breakfast Club. Mean Girls was the one that I thought could have stood a chance of getting in there yeah. out of like mm-hmm. the sort of chick flick movies. However, it was just two. It was on three lists, but it was always like nineteen or twenty. Uh, and like three people's <laughs> lists, so it just like didn't have the legs to take on. I, I think a lot of people just went with it, went not and maybe adding it to a degree, went to be like not the typical answer, like Pulp Fiction and that, where it's hard to thought it'd be, because I think people think that's the answer. Yeah, I like you mm-hmm. could, you'd expect it. Nah, in a way. Like yeah, went for things like The Dark Knight, maybe, and other things that are a bit more, bit more off the wall, a bit less a, a classic. Yeah, definitely, and it's a generational thing. You've got to remember, like all of the, everyone who's on this show is like, early twenties, twenty-five. Yeah, right. so it's like it's it's a generational thing. We've not seen a lot of the older movies that uh, our mums and dads would said if they would ask the same question, and we're sort of drawing from our youth for a couple of answers that we're given, but. Yeah. In the in the hanging on tender hooks with top ten, you just wait to see how high Tokyo Drift gets. <laughs> well, we're discussing that over the course of the next few weeks, but let's get into what we're talking about today. Uh, we're talking about Ma. I, I've told people about this movie. It's such a stupid sounding name. Wait, like, where it did looks... you, is it is it got a big thing? Because when you said to me Ma, I hadn't actually like, even seen it in about the trailer. I, it was I, I said to Becca, I need to watch Ma, and she was yeah. like, "What's that?" And I was like, "Oh." It's... 
Uh-huh. And then wow. I kind of work out for it about it, what was what it was about. It's, but it's, I'm, I'm I'm quite into it. I'm feeling it a bit. Well, it's, it's from Blumhouse. Uh, Blumhouse are famous for making these horror movies for a sort of low budget that the uh, studio behind Get Out and the likes of films like that. Um, and that um, thing, what's it called? Happy Death Day or whatever Happy it was. Death, the one that... Happy Death Day and the new one, Happy Death Day 2. Happy Death Day 2. Uh, it's just coming out just now. But this is helmed by the, the, the help director. Um, and he also did Get On A Train as well. So two sort of different movies there. The help was actually on a lot of people's top 10 lists. Get On A Train mm-hmm. didn't perform as well. It stars Octavia Spencer, who was also in The Help. What was your first impressions uh, go, like of the trailer then, Ed, having not heard anything about it? Well, I see tonally at the start. I couldn't really look at what in my film it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, the, 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 it opens up and it's like that classic, like, American folk in a van, like, going to get Bev. Like, I think that things like that mess told me that I'd been a lot more vans growing up as a wee guy. <laughs> but I couldn't really look it out and then it t- t- starts to turn and you can see that it's going in that sort of like, suspense it, it, it seems like it's one of the, like, similar to Get Out and that. What was the one? Um, was it It Follows? Like, the sort of like, yes. not, like, like the meaning, meanings, like the true meaning of it sort of hidden. Mm-hmm. Are we like, sort of a bit more submersive, submersive than that? I'm sorry. I, I can completely get that and I, I think that's what we've been talking about a lot when we bring up horror on this show is the fact that they're moving away from the sort of avertness of the like, like traditional horror like movie. It's not paranormal activity or like, or like even going for a back like screaming that when it's got, like, it's got like a bad guy in a mask with a knife. Like, it's all yeah. a bit more like what's real and what's known and what's whatever. And the, Definitely. Like, there's and lots the... of things in it as well about like, the bit that was quite thing when she paint like the race thing and it as well when she paints a black guy's face white and all that and the, mm-hmm. the, the mask that looks a bit like tribal and all that it's a bit witchcrafty I don't know it's, it's, it's had a lot of bits in it that gets you the old mind racing yeah definitely and Becca did you manage to get a look at this trailer as well yeah yeah what was it that got you interested in it or what is it in a trailer for a horror movie in general that normally gets you invested in did this trailer manage to do that well, I actually really don't like horror films. Uh-huh. Like, I'm a total scaredy cat. So whenever <laughs> I see something that I think, oh my God, that looks terrifying, and I switch it off, then I know, like, that must be, in a way, good. Yeah. So if it can do that, then I think, like, top marks to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's actually how I used to judge it when I did the, the review blog back in the day. I was like, the first thing uh-huh. I do going into a horror movie is how scary it is, is how I judge it. You know what yeah. I mean? And this does look like it has the potential to give me that sort of feeling of dread because it's that feeling of being trapped and I kept waiting for them to be trapped in the basement. That never mm-hmm. really sort of happens. But the fact that they can't go upstairs, like I really yeah, want to I'm see like, what's up that stairs now. The mystery's uh-huh. been set up. I'm like I'm waiting for some like dead bodies or some like total gruesome parts that's gonna like I make j- me Shake your boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, and is that the, again, I think it's like get that they're trying to set up something that I think isn't going to pay off for a reason. See how like her meeting all her parents and knowing who they all are. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it wants you to think off the bat that like it's like a classic like it was that what's that classic film with the Prince Blood? Um, right, right, in my head. Uh, she's the girl she's bullied and she like she's. Fuck, Carrie, yeah. Uh, Carrie, I, yeah. I, I feel that it wasn't set up like it's that like the mum was like all picked on and bullied in school and it's her way of getting mm-hmm. revenge but I don't necessarily feel that's what's going 
it seems happens. to be steering you too much in that direction yeah. for it to actually be the case I get you and it's one of those ones as well Tavia Spencer obviously uh, Oscar winning actress um, horror seems to be a place where a lot of the bigger names are going nowadays like it used to be you just got a lot of nobodies like in horror movies and now you've got like Tony Collette was in Penetri a big name actress you've got the Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are big names in The Conjuring and stuff is there any other big name actors who haven't done a horror movie that you two would think okay this might be someone I'd like to see big name actor you'd like to see in a horror film oh, I, th- I, th- I think that the reason that you get now get big na- like bigger names towards it is because the way the genre has changed that like, they're not just like slashery flex anymore um, who was uh, what was it Te- the fall up to Cloverfield that wasn't actually really Cloverfield it was oh, in the basement Ted Cloverfield Lane yeah yeah like, John I Goodman. think like, John Goodman was, was excellent in that. I think that's like, sort of started, not really started, but that's the one I think in my head that sort of shows the shift away from it. Be, like, the, or, all being the better films now, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, no, I completely like a, get you. A classical standpoint, they're better made movies than they ever used to be. But if you want something big in it, you've got to have to go like Tom Joy. You want like Tom Cruise to be in like, the next version of like The Conjurer or something, just for like yeah. the, to- the total. Uh, the, you know, the, the contrast of what he does, like all the, these classic rubbish action films, and then be like the, the main man. And... <laughs> that would be class, yeah. Like, I think they try to do that with The Mummy, though, like, like with Tom Cruise. But is, like... the mummy, is The Mummy a horror film? But I think The Mummy's a bit more like. The Mummy's like soft horror, it's like. They didn't, family, know, what friendly the, horror. They didn't know what that movie was, I think that was and part of the problem. The, <laughs> the, the, the dark universe, cinematic universe, the Dooku that we're trying to do with The Mummy. Oh, yeah, that's completely dead. Old. That dead now, they announced that, like two weeks ago officially like, the Dark Universe is like done they're just giving up with it <laughs> so, Ian did you want to see a horror film with the big actors actresses actresses um, child actors I don't know actually it's, I think for us it's, it's, it'd be a bit I, of a waste because we're not big horror fans so we're not we're, we're not going to watch it you could go and get <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you, know, <laughs> do you know who I keep, I keep harking on about in this show? But I would like to see Dave Bautista uh, as the villain in a horror movie, but more of a sort of physical presence that's just going to beat you up and just like goes around the city beating people up, and that's what's scary about it. Dude, I, 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 I think that's been made. I feel like every wrestler's had that film. Does Stone Cold not have a 10 of films where he just sort of played yourself and John Cena as well? Had a great movie called The Condemned, which was basically Battle Royale, like a remake of Battle Royale in The Hunger Games, and it's absolutely fantastic if you can get a look at it it's Stone Cold Steve Austin with a bomb strapped to him and he has to kill everyone else on the island See, great that's, movie that's what you just picked two minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to move on from one big name actor to another Daniel Radcliffe Daniel Radcliffe rather alright famous for being uh, the boy wizard Harry Potter alright Harry Potter last week rumours <laughs> came out that Marvel was considering casting Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine in the MCU when the X-Men crossover. <laughs> he has came out this week and laughed at that and said that's the silliest idea I've ever heard in my life. Uh, just to ask you what you thought of that news because I found it quite funny. Uh, Glad he said it. I'm actually like it. He's honest. Terrible. That's a terrible yeah. idea. I think, I think the problem with it is, is that Hugh Jackman is almost like the perfect casting to be Wolverine now like I think they're going to have to in 20 years time just be, just be making CGI Hugh Jackman versions in like 20 because I don't think I think he was has the face that was born to play that role I think that was what he was, he was made for definitely like, 
I, but I, maybe that's just because he's been Wolverine for like 15 years and the only person survived from like all the terrible ones at the start and then the ones that eventually got good but well that's the thing Ed like who would because the MCU they're, they're buying these Fox properties it looks like Deadpool Ryan Reynolds might cross over Hugh Jackman said he's done and they want to do a new version of Wolverine like is there anyone you could see maybe taking on the part all big muscular male actors in Hollywood currently already are mm-hmm. a superhero at this point like yeah one of the Hemsworth brothers would be good, maybe. Ben, are they not both already in? Liam hasn't done a superhero film. He only did The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. Liam would, Liam's not possibly. the worst out, actually, Rick. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the worst idea in the world because it's a but, younger guy you're getting years out of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, Andy, who's muscly and hairy enough to be Wolverine? Is the, the, is the, is the two intersection you have? Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm you're, 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 you're close enough. I'm gonna go wait, wait, Rob McEnerhey from um, Always Sunny, who plays Mark. Oh. He's, he's absolutely shredded now. He could do it. Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm no, I'm not complaining. I watched that. Always, I've finished up to Brooklyn Nine Nine on Netflix, which where it is like in season four. So I need to watch like a new comedy now. So I'm back in Brooklyn uh, in Always Sunny, and the last season is phenomenal. Last season's the best season. I'm, best so season they've done in a good long while. Mate, I'm I'm far away from that. I'm in season three. Like moving on from. Did, uh, did you watch? Did you watch season one? Yeah. The good thing for me was that you know, everyone's like off. season one's Aye. the worst and I was like I quite enjoyed season one so that's a good sign going forward. You know what I mean? But, like it's just crazy how it's changed. Like when you go back and watch season one and it's like the short episodes are for like a budget of twenty seven dollars and all that <laughs> and like one set and now they're like yeah. going to the Super Bowl and all this and whatever. like it just it moves on. I'm looking forward to it. But, forward. As, as soon as Dan DeVito gets involved in it, the programme takes on like new legs. Yeah. He's like the he's like the pure MacGuffin and thing. He just mm-hmm. bangles everything he makes the programme like <laughs> able to do everything he's able to do. Well, one other series that Danny DeVito was once upon a time associated with was of course Batman. Uh, played the Penguin back in 1992. And other cast and rumours came out this week. Ben Affleck gave his story as to why he stepped down. Uh, from Matt Reeves' Batman that's set to come out in the next couple of years. Uh, the studio's saying they want a younger Batman that will be a sort of prequel to the Ben Affleck Batman we've seen. Um, Robert Pattinson, another Harry Potter actor's name, has been thrown about. Uh, obviously, uh, was in Twilight as well. Is it, is it, has he ever been good in anything? Is the question is like he's had a couple of independent movies the last couple of years that have got like really mm-hmm. good critical acclaim. Um, However, none of them I've seen, so I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't actually get you. Like, well, the, the, the problem with Batman is is that the, the, the Nolan ones were such a success in the middle that they sort of forgot that back in the 90s, the Batman films were all absolutely terrible. Yeah. Not te- terrible was being harsh, but they were of their very time. differently, yeah. thematically speaking. They were all a bit camper and a bit more mm-hmm. self-aware. Yeah. And then the, the Nolan ones sort of made it into this a bit more gritty, a bit more like... Of a, of a film, we'll say. So I think, I think they should pick somebody and go back to their, their roots, go back to you know, <laughs> having Arnold Schwarzenegger play <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Freeze. Freeze. Yeah. See, I, I want somewhere in between like, my idea for the, a Batman movie is like, do Batman and Robin again, but do it right, because I do think that you haven't had a really good depiction of Robin uh, live action. Even the new Titans show isn't that good. And I, do, I think Robin and 
even there's like three Robins, one of them goes out to be Nightwing and one of them dies, you know what I mean? That's good drama, let's kill the guy the, off. The only thing is with things like that is, is from like our perspective as the uninformed viewer, like I, it's the point with comic books, it just goes, like most things that I, that I have a passing knowledge of, that you get to your, yeah. your tipping off point and then it goes, it, like it goes a bit haywire and it's, oh that's not that Robin, that's the Robin that goes out to become yeah. This guy, that's the Robin that dies, that's the Robin that, like... That's the, the trilogy, like, if I was going to do it, I'd have the trilogy start off with just the Batman and Robin that you know, and then that movie's story is that Robin wants to move on. So the next movie, that Robin's moved on and he finds a new guy who ends up dying. Uh, that would be the sort of story behind it. However, I don't think they're going to do that, and I think they're just going to have Robert Pattinson fighting the Joker again. Uh, and I don't know who's going to be playing the Joker because everyone just seems to be playing the Joker nowadays. So Batman's Batman's DC, isn't it? Yeah, it's DCI. DC won't make a good movie, but because they keep trying to do the whole Marvel thing, that Marvel like DC try to do it in reverse and they try to make like their big movie straight away. Like exactly, that were really good because the the first couple Iron Man's and that were were okay. They weren't great, but they were okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and then they built up to Avengers being like the biggest thing in like yeah. the whole entire planet. And Whereas it's a slow build. DC doesn't want to take the time to like waste ten years and ten years worth of money to get to that point. They want this success next week. They want to make the Batman film and in two weeks' time make the Justice League one. Well, that's the thing. I think that now they've just ruined it for themselves because after Justice League, they're just like, okay, we're just going to do exclusively standalone, which you don't need to do. You know what I mean? Like you can still like have a combination of both but they seem to be like right okay Aquaman's doing well let's just do Aquaman 1, 2 and 3 Wonder Woman's doing well let's just do Wonder Woman 1, 2 and 3 and just see what else uh, sticks at this point but Robert Pattinson is Batman uh, is he a good shout thumbs up thumbs down big thumbs down big thumbs down <laughs> oh, the, the die hard Twilight fans I, I, out there I'm about to say they're, they're crushed <laughs> <laughs> who's worse would you rather have Robert Pattinson be Batman or would you rather have Daniel Radcliffe being Wolverine what would you <laughs> Batman's always the most boring character even in his own movie so I don't think mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson would be disastrous I do think Daniel Radcliffe would be the worst thing as Wolverine of all time. <laughs> so that's that's where my judgment would lie in that. I don't know. I don't know. The only thing, the only thing, I want Diane DeVito to play both of them. I just <laughs> I think we should do that. Right. The one, the one last thing I want to get on to is more news came out about the Oscars this week. They said they were not going to do four categories on the live broadcast of it. I see and your then, Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> then they can just completely call me out. Oh, they can no, absolutely ruin you. They can, like, you know, and they can, if you're listening, I know that no one cares about half of what I tweet, right? just unfollow me if you don't like it. Right? So <laughs> they said that they're not going to do four of the categories on TV and then they reversed their decision. And they did a similar thing again this year where they were going to introduce a best popular film category and then there was an upcry and then it was like two weeks later they reversed the decision again uh no one seems to care about the oscars at this point right so that's why i wanted to ask you two right what would be the thing that would have to happen for you two to be actually interested in the oscars and want to watch it I think there has to be more of a reward than a statue. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that I want, I want like a cash prize. Like, it's also, I think, very predictable. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, you know, from like the movies. The BAFTAs out, the, the, as well. I, like, whoever wins in the BAFTAs is a good chance they're going to win at the Oscars as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you kind of already know what's going to happen. Yeah. And the fact, but there's no host this year. So. so yeah. <laughs> it should be a ruling cast a host, and it should be every 
every um, category should be a, didn't a finalist, and it should be some sort of like Takeshi's Castle esque battle between the producers <laughs> and the directors for the two films for the, for the Oscar. You've just got Kevin Feige with you taking his hat off because he's taking it seriously for once. It's like, like that way. There has to be some. Also, as well, that like the, the Academy picks the winners, don't they? It's so, the Academy of Motion Picture, so that's represented. It's like over a hundred people from all throughout the film industry, actors, directors, all that jazz. That's not a hundred people, but like, it's not a very big sample size. Like, there's not a lot you could do with a hundred people. You get a hundred people in a room together. Like, I don't know. Like, I, last year, so let me just check the exact number um, of how many Academy members there are. But you're, like you're a, right. Like a like a team choice award after like there should be like, yeah. a, like a people's award should be like like the, like the people's Oscar for best picture and then the Academy Award for best picture the people's award for best leading actress the mm-hmm. people the Academy Award for best leading actress mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. how how in touch these people actually are with yeah the, the person yeah. in the cinema the person in the seat. That, I get that, and that's one of the things that's coming out in the last. In fact, I was completely wrong. There were six, six and a half thousand members of the that's academy. Quite so, <laughs> but then, the, if, if, if people, people inside the film industry obviously have a different perspective than you yeah. and me. Totally. how the film works. Like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's films that you enjoy from, and like you can you take them as the ninety minute or the two hour like mm-hmm. thing that they are, and don't read mm-hmm. any more into them. And mm-hmm. I don't think other people who are that close to the industry have that sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perspective they see more about like the the lighting and the makeup and the sound the sound design and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. The things that probably the common person wouldn't ever actually notice like or catch on yeah. And that's the thing as well, because if you're going to award these specific categories, um like the sound design and stuff like that, you want people who are actually like sound designers to maybe yeah. reward that. So that's where the Oscars does right. Like you mentioned Becca um about the fact they have no host this year. Alright. Mm-hmm. Is there a, is there a host? Or is there an announcement for a host of the Oscars that you'd be like, oh, right, I actually might tune in just to see that person? Well, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see if Kevin Hart actually, like, appeared or not. Like, that will Imagine he does it now. Yeah. Comes, uh-huh. out, comes out with Undertaker the other way. Exactly. Just comes out with a rainbow flag. Stands at the Madonna. Just hundreds of gay kids around him. I see I'm not hitting them. But I don't know. Like I'm quite intrigued to watch it without a host. Like I don't know if it's going to be bad or it's going to be good. So I'm like quite I can but, make it, I can, good, like, like, well it worked a bit yeah. of space to it but uh-huh. a bit of dimension do you know what I, I think people might tune in just for uh, Shallow this year see if you said like people were doing uh, Lady Gaga was doing the entire Star is Born soundtrack you're getting it I'll look at the I, star. I, <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it three years ago they got the announcement wrong and that was like the biggest like oh view, I it was up your scandal the biggest view they'd had in years because they got yeah. the wrong aye <laughs> so, so now have you Kevin Hart back and just get to do ten minutes of stand up on why being gay is wrong? Just to have their, their moment of life. Just to get them talking. I just need people talking. See, I, I actually think the, the edgier hosts are always the best because I like it as like someone like Ellen is alright, but it gets a yeah. bit bland after a while. Mm-hmm. Like I would have, I'd like to see uh, them let, let Ricky Gervais back again. I don't think that's the worst <laughs> idea. He has a knob, but at least he's going to say something that's going to annoy people. You know what I mean? With the ginger hair. 
Frankie Boyle. Yes, yeah, imagine but... that. <laughs> Do, or... I think I'm going to lose some teeth right now. He's not a problem. He's not. Might as well just like Weinstein most of the time. I'm sure I'd get people to go in the opposite direction. Uh, again, Graham Norton over to America. Shit, if I'm opening like I'm hosting the Oscar. He's, fan, he's, like... uh, he's judging on um, the UK of RuPaul's Drag Race that's coming out. Really? RuPaul, let the three of them. RuPaul, Alan Carn, Graham Norton host the Oscars and just let Oh. Right. <laughs> oh, What's we'll, happening? We'll, we'll need to go get dinner. We need to wrap up. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair <laughs> enough. Well, Ed, it was lovely having you today. Thank you for tuning in to First Time Films, guys. I'll see you next time when we're discussing Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, and Ed, I'll see you on Wednesday for Valencia. See you right. Wednesday. <laughs> Smashing. <laughs>